Welcome to All Places Together. Here we believe that our lives are connected to one another and rooted in God's inclusive and expansive love for diverse creation. I'm Colleen Montgomery, the pastor of All Places Together and your podcast host. Wherever you are, whoever you are, however you are, take a deep breath. Here's a story for you, a story called Empty-Handed Easter. If you've been listening along to the past several episodes, you'll know that we've been doing a deep dive into the questions of Holy Week from the Gospel of Matthew. We've listened to and reflected upon the questions that Jesus asked, the question that Jesus is asked, and questions that happen when Jesus isn't even around. Those three episodes covered, y'all brace yourselves, seven chapters of the Gospel of Matthew and so many questions. So I have to say, it is hard to believe that here we are now on Easter into the last chapter of Matthew, and there isn't a single question. There's no questions in Matthew's Easter story, not in the resurrection and not in his final instructions to the disciples. Each of the four Gospels tell the story of Easter in a slightly different way. There are just two things that each version have in common. Jesus is resurrected from the dead, and a woman or a group of women are the first to hear the news. Other than that, each gospel is unique. One way that Matthew's gospel is unique is that it doesn't have any questions, but the other three do, and they each have a different question. Mark's version ends with a whole question like unto itself. The women who hear that Jesus has been raised from the dead run away from the tomb afraid. And the leader is left wondering, like, what happened? Where did they go? Like, who did they tell? And what was that conversation like? Because we have to intuit that they told someone because the story is written down and preserved. But the whole story just kind of ends in uncertainty and a question of like, huh? John's Easter has Mary Magdalene coming to the tomb alone. She finds the tomb empty, gets two other disciples to come and see it, and none of them can make any sense of it. Then Jesus appears to her and asks, why are you crying? Luke's version has a group of women who go to the tomb, find it empty, and then are greeted by two dazzling men uh, in dazzling clothes. I don't know if the men were dazzling. The clothes definitely were. Maybe the men were too. I don't know. But anyhow, they ask, why do you look for the living among the dead? So every other gospel has these really profound questions as part of the Easter story, but not Matthew. While Jesus, his disciples, the Pharisees and Sadducees, his persecutors and the crowds had all kinds of questions during the week, There are none here on Easter morning, nor in the days to come. I'll read it for us now. So this is Matthew 10, chapter 28, verses 1 to 20 from the Common English Bible. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the tomb. Look, there was a great earthquake, for an angel from the Lord came down from heaven. Coming to the stone, he rolled it away and sat on it. Now his face was like lightning and his clothes as white as snow. The guards were so terrified of him that they shook with fear and became like dead men. 
But the angel said to the women, Don't be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here because he's been raised from the dead just as he said. Come, see the place where they laid him. Now hurry, go tell his disciples. He's been raised from the dead. He's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. I've given the message to you. With great fear and excitement, they hurried away from the tomb and ran to tell his disciples. But Jesus met them and greeted them. They grabbed his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers that I am going to Galilee. They will see me there. Now, as the women were on their way, some of the guards came into the city and told the chief priests everything that had happened. They met with the elders and decided to give a large sum of money to the soldiers. They told them, say that Jesus' disciples came at night and stole his body while you were sleeping. And if the governor hears about this, we will take care of it with him. So you have nothing to worry about. So the soldiers took the money and they did as they were told. And this report has spread throughout Judea to this very day. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came near and spoke to them. I've received all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of this present age. The first thing that really sticks out to me from this reading this year is how the guards can't handle like the stone being rolled away. They end up being like dead man is what this version says, right? And if we think about it, like they've got to be stressed as they're seeing all of this happen because Pilate, the governor of the area, one of the most powerful men of all of Jerusalem, has sent them to guard this tomb. And they're going to have some big explaining to do when they go and say that the stone was moved away and Jesus was gone. And we read in that next little in-between section that they go and tell the Jewish elders about this and they end up paying the soldiers off um, to make up this story of like they fell asleep and the disciples came and stole Jesus's body because they all knew that it was going to be trouble if the governor found out what happened here. But the elders offered this story and this bribe and the soldiers agreed And that's, I guess, what everyone else thought. Okay, so the soldiers are like indisposed. They are no longer a threat to the women or anyone else. And the women are just there taking it all in. Though they are still terrified because the angel leads with the classic, do not be afraid. And the angel reminds the women of what Jesus had said to them and the other disciples the previous week. Jesus told them that he was going to be in Galilee and that they should all meet him there. So I kind of wonder, like, did the women and the other disciples forget that Jesus said that? Or they just didn't think that that was like a real possibility? Like they did remember what Jesus said, but they didn't think that Jesus could actually meet them in Galilee because he died? Regardless, the women believe what the messenger says to them and they leave the tomb to Go get the rest of the crew. 
Then when they are on the way, Jesus appears to them. They worship him. They are amazed. Like, it's just this really beautiful moment. And then Jesus is like, let's go to Galilee. Like, go tell everyone else to meet them in Galilee. They don't, like, hang out or wait in this moment. Now, getting to Galilee would have taken several days. And Matthew doesn't tell us about what happens on that journey, either what happens to the disciples or what happens to Jesus. But I have to guess that, at least for the disciples, I think they would have shared a lot of questions. Can't you just hear it? Now, what did that angel say to you again? How did the rock get moved? Are you sure that it is Jesus that you saw? What exactly did he say? If Jesus were going to Galilee too, wouldn't we see him along this road? Now, none of these questions are written down, but I think they must have been asking them. The disciples make it to Galilee and they meet with Jesus on a mountain there. And Jesus gives his final words of instructions to them, words that are now known as the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all people. The book of Matthew ends with Jesus' promise that he will be with them always, even to the end of the age. So in all of this, since there's no questions, written questions for us to focus on, in all of this, the moment that stands out to me the most is the women going to the tomb, knowing that there isn't anything that they can do about the situation. Normally, Jewish women would tend to the bodies of the deceased with burial spices. Some of the other Gospels explicitly say that the women are going to the tomb with burial spices to do just that. But not these women in the Gospel of Matthew. They know that the stone has been rolled in front of the tomb. They know that they can't get to where Jesus' body is. So they come with empty hands and with broken hearts just to look at the tomb, imagining the depth of loss that they must have been feeling to come empty-handed is stunning. Like people are always trying to find something to do in the face of deep tragedy, something to fix, right? Like on the news, we see after a storm that neighbors and power crews and volunteers are working to clean up the streets, even though it's just devastation around them. And when we have someone um, in our lives who experiences the death of a loved one, right, we send flowers, cards, and meals to those who are mourning. And if we're really quite close, we might even show up to help with chores or making plans or sorting through all of the things that you have to sort through when someone dies. But the women in Matthew come with nothing to do. They come to watch. They are at their lowest. And it is in that moment, in that place of deep sadness, of resigned inaction, that God, through this messenger, rolls away the stone and reminds them of Jesus' words. I'm going to Galilee, meet me there. They remember, they trust, they go, and they meet Jesus. I have to hope that the same is true for us 
when we are in places of deep sadness, of resigned inaction, and we feel so brokenhearted that all we can do is show up empty-handed and stare at the tomb. That when we are in that place, that God through a messenger comes to us and says, remember the words of Jesus. Now, the words that we need to hear likely aren't, I'm going to Galilee, meet me there. Though they could be, I don't know your whole story. Maybe you do need to go and meet Jesus in Galilee. I imagine, though, the words that we might need to hear might be something like this. I know everything has fallen apart. And I'm going to do a new thing. Come on, you're a part of it. The words they speak about you are cruel and their words aren't true. You are loved. You are mine. You can rest now. I've got this. Even when we show up with empty hands and broken hearts, God sees us, loves us, heals us. And when we are ready, God gives us the words to speak beauty and hope to those who also have empty hands and broken hearts. Though it's true, Matthew's Easter story doesn't give us any questions, but it does give us hope. Hope for when we have nothing to give or to hold on to. God will still move. God will still speak. New life comes from death. prayer for showing up empty-handed. Risen and rising Christ, the women showed up to your tomb with nothing. Nothing in their hands and no hope in their hearts. Sometimes we are like that too. The grief has broken us. The shame has silenced us. The rage has burned us out. The worry has trapped us. So we have nothing. When we are in these places with empty hands and broken hearts, come to us. Remind us of your promise of love for all people and new life from the depths of death. Roll the stone of our grief, shame, anger, and anxiety away so that we can see the new things you are doing. Hold our empty hands and lead us into hope. Amen. Thank you for joining us at All Places Together. We hope you experience God's love for you and the world in today's episode. Depending on when you are listening to this, there may still be time to join us for Easter Zoom Communion. We're gathering on Monday, April 10th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you're listening before then, fill up the sign-up sheet that's available on social media 
and that's also listed in the show notes, I'll do my best to get you the Zoom link. If you're not sure about communion, it's okay, come as you are. I would love to just have you be with us. And feel free to let me know if you have any questions. Thank you to our mission partners, the Virginia Synod, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Being church together is so important. Thank you also to those who give financially to empower the ongoing work of All Places Together. If you'd like to give online to support APT, you can go to our website, allplacestogether.org. Scroll to the bottom where it says Give Now. Click that button and you'll be redirected to our giving platform. Even small one-time donations of $5 or $10 or monthly gifts of the same amount add up to make a big difference. If you'd like to give through a check or ACH deposit, just contact me via email and I can help you get that set up. My email is allplacestogether at gmail.com. We know it can be hard to give financially. We celebrate all of the ways that you share the stories of all places together with the people in your life and engage with APT online throughout the week. As always, your word of mouth recommendations of the podcast is the best way to help new people get to know all places together. So thank you so much for every time you make the suggestion for someone to listen. Until next time, remember that God is with you and God loves you, wherever, whoever, and however you are.